This morning marks our third message out of Psalm 118, and though I would like to spend time reviewing the different messages that we've dealt with thus far, I will refrain from doing that, and we're just going to get into the message today. And I'd like to share a thought with you. I'd like to begin with a story that may or may not be of interest to you, but for me, it illustrates a point and a, a principle in my life. Several years ago, Susie and I were planning a trip out to the Washington, D.C. area, and if you've ever been out there, you know how amazing that area is. If you've never been out there, then words really can't properly describe it, at least not from my perspective. There is no way to describe just how amazing that area is when you begin to think about the history, when you begin to think about all that has taken place within those certain square miles. It is amazing. And so there in Washington, D.C., you know that you have things like the White House. You know that you have the building for Congress. You know that there are the offices there. And there's the Washington Monument, the, the Lincoln Memorial. There are the, the war uh, monuments for the different wars and the battles that have taken place. The Smithsonian's, I mean, just so much to take in and so much to observe and and just so much that you can engage yourself in. And so Susie and I were there for a week, and we were able to take in so much of that, and we were able to enjoy so much of that experience. But looking back over that experience that we shared and that we enjoyed together, here is what I know without doubt and without question, that I did not receive the full benefit from that experience. Though we had a week, though we were not rushed, though we were able to go here and to look at this and to observe this and tour this and behold this, though we had all the time and the resources necessary to get to enjoy all of it, I did not walk away with a full appreciation of what I had just witnessed and what I had just been a part of. Now for me, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. The first reason, I think, is this, is that by nature I am not a student of history. That is not what necessarily interests me naturally. So to be willing to look at history and to be able to study history and to really be able to appreciate history, it's something that I have to force myself to do because by way of education there are so many other subjects that I am far more interested in than history. You understand that, don't you? That, that that's not necessarily what my nature or my personality is drawn to, that being history. Now, some of you may say, well, I love history. That's fine. That's not what I'm drawn to. The other thing that served as kind of a hindrance to me and the other thing that kind of served as a distraction to me and really taking all this in and receiving the full benefit from it that I could have is that Susie and I were supposed to be on an anniversary trip. And Washington, D.C. is not the most romantic of getaways. It's not the most exciting of locations. And so when you hear an anniversary trip, when you hear of getting away with your wife for a week, most people don't say to you, so are you going to D.C.? Uh, 
most people would say, no, that's not what we're doing. So Susie and I were there on our anniversary trip, and, and so I, I was distracted by the fact that we didn't have the three kids with us, and, and I was able to spend time with just Susie, and we were able to enjoy the company without the interruptions and, and, and all that goes with having kids. And, and so there was this opportunity, and it's not to say that it was a wasted opportunity. It's not to say that it was a wasted occasion but I did not receive everything from it that I could have, maybe that I should have, because I did not discipline myself by way of my nature to take in as much of it as I could, and I was sidetracked and I was distracted by other events taking place in the week. Now this morning, if we'll hold on to that story and if we'll hold on to that thought and that principle, I want us to look at a verse of Scripture this morning, and let me just say this as we get into it. We're going to look at the Scripture very quickly. We're going to work through this very quickly. Uh, this may not be the longest message that I preach to you, okay? It, it may be a short one like last week. We'll be fine, though, okay? Amen. All right. I want us to look this morning in verse number 18 at the very last word of this verse. The writer in verse number 18 refers to the Word of God as the law of God. The law of God. So far, we've watched as the Word of God has been referred to as precepts. We've watched as it's been referred to as commands. And so in verse number 18, he ends the verse or the statement that he makes by speaking of the law. Now, here is what's interesting and something that we need to keep in mind is that all of these words essentially are interchangeable one with another. So when you read the word law, it is just as easily read the commandments or the precepts of the Word of God. And so the writer is not changing his direction. He is not changing his thoughts. He is talking about the law of God, the commands of God, the teachings of God, the precepts of God. And as he writes about the law of God, here is what he declares of it. He declares that there are wondrous things in the law. That in the commandments, that in the teachings, and that in the precepts of the Word of God, there are those things that he would describe or that he would define as wondrous. What does it mean whenever he uses the word wondrous? Well, here is what the word has meant and would mean in context of what we are looking at this morning. It means that it is amazing or that it is wonderful. The, the law of God, he says, it is amazing and it is wonderful. In addition to that, he goes on to say this, but, or it, it means this, the word wondrous does. Not only is it amazing and not only is it wonderful, but that it is also difficult to understand at times. And so here's what the writer says of the law. He says it is wondrous, it is wonderful, it is amazing, and yet at the same time, there are those occasions in which the Word of God is difficult to understand. And so as we continue to look at the verse, he says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. What does it mean whenever he says to behold something? It means this, to consider or to give attention to something. 
to consider or to give attention of something. So, so now if you'll consider the context for just a moment, here is what he says concerning the law, concerning the commandments, and concerning the precepts of the Word of God. He says, you know, the law is amazing. The Word of God, by way of its precepts, it is wonderful. The Word of God, by way of its, its commandments, by way of its teachings, by way of everything that it includes... In a sense, it is overwhelming, and at times, and at times, it is difficult to understand. So he says in the verse, he says, Help me, open mine eyes, that I may behold. What is he saying? He is saying, Lord, I, I need help from you to be able to consider or to give attention to your wondrous law, like it deserves to be considered and like it deserves for attention to be given to it. You following this? He is saying, Lord, your law is amazing and it is wonderful, though sometimes difficult to understand. And Lord, I need your help in giving it the consideration and the attention it deserves. So what does the writer say needs to happen? What is his prayer? What is his plea with the Lord in relation to this verse? He says in verse number 18, Open thou mine eyes. Open thou mine eyes. What does it mean when he speaks of the eye? Well, we know that it could be a reference to the physical eye, but we also know that it could be a reference to the spiritual eye. And so whenever he says of his eye, I don't think he's just talking about his physical eye. It makes sense to assume that he's talking about his spiritual eyesight, his spiritual vision, and he says, Lord, open mine eyes. What does it mean to open something? It means this. To uncover or to remove an obstruction from something. So as you think about the words, as you think about what the author has written down and what's been preserved and recorded for us, here is what the writer says, essentially, maybe from our standpoint or, or how we might paraphrase it. The author says this, Lord, your word is amazing. Lord, your word is wonderful. Lord, your word, as wonderful and as amazing as it is, to be honest, sometimes it is difficult to understand. However, God, because your law is wondrous, God, because your law is wonderful and amazing, God, because of that, I want to consider it and give it the attention it deserves but yet, Lord, in order for that to happen, here is what I know needs to happen in my own personal life. God, I need you to open my spiritual eyes. I need you to uncover things for me so that I can see them the way they need to be seen. And God, I need you to remove those things that would stand as an obstruction in my sight or things that would stand as a distraction in my sight. God, I need you to open my spiritual eyes so that I can give the attention and consideration to your word that it rightfully deserves because your law is amazing, it is wonderful, it is overwhelming, yet at times difficult to understand. 
As you think about the words of this writer, his own expression of his feelings as it relates to the law of God, in my opinion, is a wondrous expression. It's a wondrous expression for this reason. As a child of God today, you and I hold in our hands what we refer to as the Word of God. You and I, this morning, we could rightfully, if we had our mindset and our thinking in, in its proper place, we could refer to the Word of God this morning as the law of God. Someone would say, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, okay, then we could refer to it as the, the precepts of God or the commandments of God or the teachings of God. That is what you and I hold in our hands. Now, I, I want to say this, and I trust that I know that we're on the same page here, but, but maybe we're not. What we have to conclude in our mind and in our heart is this, is that either we hold the Word of God in our hands or else we just hold another book like every other book in our hands. Either this is the Word of God or it's not the Word of God, but it cannot be both. You and I are not allowed to read through the Scripture and say, well, that is the Word of God, but that is not true, that is not accurate, that is not right. I don't have the right, and you don't have the right, and no one has the right to decide what part they'll take and what part they'll, they'll get rid of, the, the part that they'll keep and the part that they're going to discard because it no longer fits with their lifestyle or their agenda or the, the social environment that they're a part of. Either this is the Word of God or it is just a book written by man. And I am of the firm belief and of the firm persuasion and conviction that this is the Word of God that we hold in our hands. If this is not the Word of God, we have no reason to give it any more special attention than any other book out there on the market today. This is the Word of God. This is the law of God. These are the commands of God. These are the precepts of God. And this morning I just want to talk to you for a couple of moments about my perspective of the law and what I think your perspective of the law, the commandments, the precepts, the teachings of the Word of God should be. I want to say this morning, and I want to go on record for anyone who may question, for anyone who may wonder, I want us to, to know that, that I believe what the writer believed, and that is this, as it relates to the Word of God, it is wondrous. The Word of God is not just neat. The Word of God is not, listen please, the Word of God is not just interesting. The Word of God is not just thought-provoking at times. The Word of God is wondrous. The Word of God, the law of God, it is wonderful and it is amazing, though sometimes difficult to understand. Think about the law of God for just a moment and, and what it does for a person's life. 
Whenever you and I, as was referenced in verse number 14 last week, whenever you and I are willing to be in the way of the testimonies, meaning when you and I are willing to follow the direction that the Word of God gives, when you and I are willing to follow the path that the Word of God gives, the Word of God is going to do wonderful and amazing things in our lives. You find the person who has gone through life without direction. You find the person who has gone through life with one disappointment after another disappointment after another disappointment. You find someone who has gone through life all of their life and they have never known peace. They have never known joy. They have never known contentment. They have never known satisfaction. You take someone in that position. You give them the Word of God. You show them how to have a personal relationship with Christ. If that individual will begin to walk in the way of the testimonies and the commandments and the precepts of the Word of God, you know what it will do? It will change and revolutionize every area of their life in amazing and wonderful ways that no other book could ever change their lives. I thought that might generate a response, but it doesn't have to. I believe it all the same. You take someone who has known nothing, and I'm going to say it one more time just so that we're all on the same page. You take someone who has known nothing but disappointment and a lack of direction and frustration all their lives. Give them the Word of God, and if they will apply it to their lives, it will change them in ways that they never dreamed possible because the Word of God is wonderful and it is amazing. It is wondrous. As I thought about it this week, this may not make sense to everyone, but it makes perfect sense to me. I'll try to explain why. I am grateful that the Word of God is difficult to understand sometimes. Here's why. It lets me know that the God who penned these words is on a higher plane in their thinking than myself. I am thankful that this is not written some like, like some Dr. Seuss child's book. I am thankful that there are times whenever I go to the Scripture, I read it, and I say, what? I read it, and, and my response was, I don't get that. I'm thankful because here's what it does. It, it, it reminds me that the intellect and the thought and the intelligence of my God is so far superior over mine that I will never exhaust the wisdom and the depth and the riches of his word that he has given to you and I. His word is wondrous. It is wonderful, it is amazing, though sometimes hard to understand. Now as that is so, as I believe His Word is wondrous, I also believe this, that His Word deserves to be beheld. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean this. His Word deserves 
my attention. His word deserves my consideration because it is so wondrous. Because his word is wondrous, because his law is amazing, because it is wonderful, though sometimes difficult to understand, because his word will give direction in every area of my life and change my life for the better in every area of my life, his word deserves to be beheld or considered or given attention in my life. Why do we need such a reminder? Because there are many people who go throughout their daily lives giving no attention and no consideration to the Word of God that they claim to be wondrous. I'm not worried this morning about the person who never enters the the doors of a church. I'm not worried about the person who says that the Word of God is just a a ridiculous manuscript that ought to be discarded and and ignored in the life of an individual. I'm not worried about them this morning. I'd like to think for just a moment about the ones who identify themselves as believers, the ones who identify themselves as followers of Christ, the ones who would stand and suggest this morning that the Word of God is wondrous. It needs to be said to us over and over again that His Word deserves to be beheld because there are so many who do not behold the wondrous law as it deserves to be beheld. There are many who sit in churches. There are many who identify themselves with Christianity. There are many who identify themselves with, as, as followers of Christ. And throughout this week, the Word of God has not had their attention. The Word of God has not had their consideration. The Word of God has meant nothing to them this week. There's something wrong in the life of a believer who gives no consideration and no attention to the word that they would suggest to be wondrous. There's something not right with that. So from my vantage point, from my standpoint, I look at what the author says and I say, Amen to what you have written and what's been recorded. Your word is wondrous and it needs to be beheld. But for a moment, let's think about another group of people. Think about the person this morning who claims to be a child of God, who claims to be a Christian, who claims to believe that the Word of God is wondrous. They're not the individual who neglects the Word of God. They're not the individual who never considers the Word of God. In fact, they would be the person who faithfully finds themselves in the Word of God. Such people do exist, do they not? So I don't even know what you just said. Let me rephrase it. There are people who are regularly in the Word of God in their Christian life, correct? 
There are people who look at this, the Word of God, and they say, that is wondrous, that is wonderful, that is amazing, though sometimes hard to understand. Though that be the case, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible today. I'll read it tomorrow. I'll read it the, fight, the day following. I'm going to read through the Scripture. There are people who say, I'm going to be on this plan to where I read through the Scripture in the year. There are some people who say, well, I want to double up on that, and I want to read through the Scripture twice in a year. And there are people who approach their Christian life with such an idea that, that I I want to read the wondrous Word of God. That's wonderful, is it not? Not near enough of those people exist, but for those who do, that is a wonderful thing in and of itself. But let me ask you something. Because this would be a category I find myself in many, many times. Kind of like my experience in D.C., witnessing and beholding all the monuments and all the museums and all the, the statues and everything that there is to take part of, to take part in, I wonder how many times we as believers go into our time in the Word and we don't receive everything from it that we need to receive. Now, some are even missing the point of the message this morning because you're so distracted and you're not giving attention to it. I'd like to encourage you to really give attention to what we're saying right now, okay? There are people who say that they read the Scripture. I'm not going to argue that. I'll not debate it and try to prove them wrong. But I wonder how many people would say something like this as it relates to their time in the Scripture, like my time at D.C., looking at all these different monuments. I wonder how many of us would say this, I'm in the Word, and yet so many times I walk away from the Word not fully appreciating what I've just been confronted with. I don't know about you, but I'm there many, many times. This week in my Bible reading, I finished Jeremiah. Not the easiest books to understand. After Jeremiah, I went into Lamentations. In my daily Bible reading, I got Lamentations done. Right after that, you know what you're headed into next? Ezekiel. Ezekiel is tough. Ezekiel is difficult. Ezekiel is hard to understand. Not just at times, but for me, at all times. And so I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but just in the recent days for my own time in the Word, here's what's happened. I've gone to this wondrous book. I've gone to this, this wondrous record of God's interaction with man and how it can change my life, how it can change any person's life. And though I have just been in the presence of that which is great, I walk away somewhat unfazed and unaffected by what I've just been a part of. Why does that happen to us? I know I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I think that happens to me for a couple of reasons. You may be able to identify with this. Here's what I know of myself. By nature, my flesh doesn't like the Word of God. It doesn't. 
just like my mental intellect at whatever level I may be at, just like I am not just naturally drawn to history and all that it would pertain or or contain and pertain to, listen, just like my flesh and my mind is not drawn to that, my flesh and my, my sinful man that I am, I am not naturally drawn to the Word of God. And so I think it's fair to say that whenever I do take the time and whenever I do discipline myself to get into the Word and to begin reading the Word of God, I think it is fair to say that for myself and for so many others, that because of our sinful flesh, there is a battle taking place within us that many times we're not even aware of that would cause us to not take advantage and profit from our time in the Word of God like we need to and like we ought My flesh has no desire to know what the Word of God has to say about my relationship with God. My flesh has no desire to know what the Word of God has to say about my relationship with my wife and with my children and as a pastor and with my priorities and with my finances. There is nothing within my flesh, listen now, there is nothing within my flesh that says, go to the Word of God and get what the Word of God has for you. That is not how my flesh works And I suspect that's not how your flesh works. So I think many times I am robbed of the experience because my flesh just isn't drawn to the Word of God. But also like my time in D.C., I think this is true in my time with the Word of God. I'm distracted by other things that are on my mind that cause me to not give full attention to what is before me at that very moment. See, in D.C., I could be looking at the Washington Monument thinking about the Orioles game we were going to that night. My flesh, history, Boring. Orioles baseball, exciting. I'm in front of a monument and I'm in front of some museum and my flesh is saying, more history? Yuck. Nice restaurant tonight? Wonderful. Distracted. Never mind you've got this incredible piece of history before you distracted in my spiritual life. Never mind, I've got the wondrous law of God before me. I have other things going on that distract me from what God's law needs to tell me. I'm reading the Word of God and I'm thinking about a conversation I need to be sure and have with Susie when I'm done reading the Word of God. I'm reading the Word of God and I'm still replaying in my mind conversations I've had with other people that may be encouraging to me or may be discouraging to me. I'm in the Word of God and I'm thinking about what needs to be done tomorrow. I'm in the Word of God, but I'm thinking about things that have happened years ago. Uh, Have you ever found it amazing how far your mind can go in the midst of trying to read the Word of God? 
I don't know if you've ever done this, but you just get down to the bottom of a page and you've said to yourself, what in the world did I just read? For all you know, you know that Peter just got done rebuking a donkey that cursed a king and you have no idea why. Because in your mind, you were fixing tomorrow's problems while reflecting on your childhood 35 years ago. And then somebody says, I just don't get much from the Word of God. I know why we don't get much from the Word of God. Because naturally our flesh is not drawn to it. And then we have so many other distractions that want to pull us away from the very Word of God that we're trying to to receive something from. And so what do you and I then need to do as individuals? We need to have a prayer similar of that of the writer that would say this, God... Open thou mine eyes. God, whenever I come to your word this morning, if that's when you read the word of God, God, as I come to your word this evening, whenever you have that time in the word, you know what our prayer needs to be? God, open mine eyes. God, here's what I'm asking you to do. I am asking you to uncover something from your word that I need for me today. I may sit here and read for 10 minutes. I may read 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever the time frame is. I'm not overly concerned about that right now. But God, as I stand before you or as I kneel before you, as I, as I sit here and I get into your word, God, I am asking you, uncover something in your word for me that I need today. I, I think, I, 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 again, just from personal experience, I think that whenever you and I go into the wondrous law with this attitude of prayer that says, God, I want to consider, and God, I want to give your word the attention it deserves, but God, I need you to show me something, I think that makes all the difference in the world in how our time in the word of God goes. I'm not saying you walk away from Ezekiel with a clear theological understanding of it and say, well, I prayed before I read it, open now mine eyes, and now I understand everything about those revolving wheels and weird faces and animals. And That's not what it means, but it means this. There was this nugget, there was this, this little truth that the Lord gave you, and you were able to think on that throughout the day, and you were able to meditate on that throughout the day, and, and it was like, you know, it's like the Lord uncovered something for me. From his wondrous law. I think sometimes we need to pray something like this. God, remove the obstructions. God, remove the distractions. God, I've had this on my mind. And God, I can't read your word and consider it the way it needs to be considered. And God, I can't behold it the way it needs to be beheld with this obstructing my view. God, this has had my attention, this has had my concern, this has had my thoughts. Sometimes we need to say this, God, in my own selfishness, I've, I've gotten away from where I need to be in my walk with you, and God, because of my own selfishness, I, I'm not reading the Word of God clearly like I'm supposed to. God, you know what's happening over here, and it's, it's not selfishness, and God, it, it's not worry, but, but God, there are some things happening over here, and it's just, it, it's stressful, and, and it's been on my mind lately. God, I, I, I just, I need you to remove the obstructions in my spiritual eyes 
so that as I spend these next few moments before you in your word, I need you to remove those things and I need you to open my eyes so that there can be something from your wondrous law that I can behold in the way it needs to be beheld. This morning I ask you, do you find his word wondrous? If you're never in the word, don't claim to believe it's wondrous. Because if something is wondrous, wonderful, amazing, overwhelming, though difficult to be understood at times, if something is wondrous, you'd be attracted to it. Do you believe the word of God is wondrous? If you believe the word of God is wondrous, do you truly believe this? That his law deserves to be beheld. That his word deserves attention. That his word deserves consideration. Do you truly believe it? Do you have a desire for such a thing to be true in your life? That you would give attention and consideration to the word of God? If so, if you know anything what I'm talking about, being distracted, having other things on your mind, not really appreciating it like you should because of that inner struggle with your flesh, how often do we find ourselves saying, Lord, something of this nature Lord, open mine eyes. God, help me to see something today that I've never seen before. God, remind me of something that I need today, though I've known it for many years. God, would you please? It was kind of interesting this week, just a quick testimony, and, and I'll be done. But this week I got the message ready, and then that evening I was going to have my Bible time, and I was going to be in the Word that evening. And I was in Jeremiah, and frankly, I was no more excited about it that night than I was the night before. But I said, Lord, open mine eyes. I just tried to pray what I knew I'd be preaching. And I said, Lord, open mine eyes and give me something from the book of Jeremiah this evening that I could use. And so I'm reading through Jeremiah and I'm trying to give it the attention it deserves. And I'm trying to consider it and to behold it the way that it needs to be. And I came across this simple verse. It basically said it's good to bear the burdens of life when you're young. I know I'm paraphrasing, but I'm just telling you, it's good to, to bear the burdens of life when you're young. And I thought to myself, you know what, I needed that. Why did you need that? For reasons I'm not going to bother you with this morning, but I needed that. Would I have gotten that from my Bible reading that night if I hadn't prayed? I don't know. But I do believe there was a correlation between my prayer of, Lord, open mine eyes, and the Lord saying, okay, here's your verse. It is good for you to bear the burden while you are young. It's okay, Kyle. This is appropriate. This is timely. It, 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 listen, it's the same for you as it is for everyone else. Don't think you're special, etc. Thank you, Lord. You just gave me something. I needed. Are you in the Word? Do you behold it as it deserves to be beheld? And if not, will you consider praying, Lord, open mine eyes? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, your book is wondrous. Lord, your law is wondrous. The precepts, the commandments, everything about it, it 